So, there's a question here that we haven't got to yet um, about bowing, but we might pick that up more directly at some other time. So, are there any other questions, anything else you'd appreciate Jatindra or I responding to? So there's the piece in the sutta that the way it words it is different. I'm wondering if it means something different. So it begins with uh, experiencing rapture, experiencing pleasure. pleasure. But then when it goes on, it says, instead of saying experiencing again, it says gladdening the mind. Yeah. And the other piece, so is, is that, that feels more active to me? Yeah. Is that? It's the whole process and you, the way these things are translated is tricky because you could have said experiencing or sensitive to, so it's a bit like where are you paying attention? And in the, in the experience of um, rapture and pleasure, it's about actually letting them be where, along with the breath, where we're actually attending because we're still in a transition. But later when those are tranquilized, and we'll speak in a lot more detail about this, then the mind itself becomes revealed. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subtlest movement, yeah? It's hardly, you could hardly call it doing, but even just recognizing that, that, that gladdens the mind. So it's about what we're actually noticing. And it's got really very subtle at that point. So doing is too strong a word. It's about the subtlest inclination. Just recognizing. And and this process of gladdening happens. It'd be how I would talk about it. So it's the whole process of doing, we've tried to keep that really subtle from the beginning in terms of just sitting, breath comes, we're not doing the breathing, and we're not not doing the pati sukha, but there's there's, there's just subtle ways the mind's inclining or what it's noticing. And this whole process needs to get more and more subtle because this doing becomes the place we can get trapped. So if it's too active, all of a sudden you're trapped by the very doingness of the mind, which has a a forward-leaning kind of thing. So in this process it's about letting go and resting more deeply into experience. Does that make sense? It does. So it does, and it just it like I hear what you're saying about getting back into a corner, and then I also know like I've had experiences where if I just give myself the the subtlest coaching, 
it actually helps. Mm. So I don't, I don't know yes. if that's different. So, or so that's we're talking like, about the subtlest. It's not, it's not even a thought, really. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a, you know how the process works. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just this sightest kind of thing. So I, at that point in the process, I would say a kind of coaching would be almost too coarse. The, the kind of thinking process of the mind has softened out into where that's not actually what's happening. But there's still knowing presence, so it's a bit like, you know, we're now working in a kind of refining and making more subtle the very knowing of the mind. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, the third tetrad when we're just knowing mind, this is a, you know, this is a real fruiting. I mean, we can jump over and come to that in a kind of more superficial way. We can jump over the process of pity, sukha, the whole deepening process of anapanasati, just come to knowing the mind and gladdening it, but it doesn't have as much... Um, strength to it if we've actually let this other process deepen by itself. Yeah. Because yeah. you can, you know, we can just come into the, the knowing or the awareness of the mind at any point, any moment. Yeah. But we, at this point, Anapanasati, we're talking to, through a mind that's really been refining and getting the object so subtle and the subject, so the subject's section was disappeared and something else is happening. We can, you know, so that we can really completely release the mind. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have other, you know, because you can come at this from a thousand different angles. So. Sometimes we get stuck with English translations of words that have you know, happened centuries ago. Um, so gladdening the mind, the other translation was um, satisfying the mind. And as well as pointing to the mind here is that it's chitta, chitta, the knowing, the awareness, and it's, it's purifying. So there's just the simplicity of the knowing and the object for the mind is refining. So experiencing the mind is just simply experiencing the knowing. You know, it's beginning to separate out from the object to the breath, feeling the fullness of the knowing and the quality of mind, jitta in that sense. Um, so experiencing that. If we understand this process, and we, we only really understand it as we move into it, and as a training, remember this is a training process. And it says we train ourselves to experience mind. So at first we just start to uh, start to try and separate out the concepts, but that the more we do it, we recognise what the concepts are pointing to. We train in just experiencing that, letting that knowing be the full experience. 
even as we're breathing. And gladdening could be another translation. I'm not a scholar, but it could be more like allowing yourself to enjoy this quality. It's different from the pity, which is a, a more uplifting enjoyment, which tranquilizes, but to really allow yourself, you know, the enjoyment of just resting into a nice warm bath on a winter's evening. <sighs> that allow and enjoy. To me, that could be mm-hmm. somewhat of an allowing my glad and satisfied. So it comes into a more fullness and a, a lessening of the doing, we know that R factor. Really taking the whole experience in. There's less movement, but there's more enjoyment in that sense. Yeah? The real presence. And then it moves in then to the collecting, which is allowing it to steady even further. And again, it's not you really doing it, but noticing these signs. It's okay to rest even deeper here. Because sometimes the doubt comes in, where do I go now, or what next? As you become familiar with it, it's okay to rest deeper, it's okay to let it steady, it's okay to stay with this. And then coming into liberating the mind again, a different translation, freeing the mind, or letting yourself experience the freedom of resting into something so deeply just boundaries disappear. Expansiveness. No longer any other reference points apart from this deep settling, resting, which its essence is knowing. There's another way to talk. It makes me wonder if it's not like, it's not doing, but there is a Participation or a yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah. Mind, mindfulness is still fully present. Yeah. And what what I think, yeah, what kind of happens is, it's you know, mind, the everything's fallen away, virtue, and the gladdening or, or satisfying happens. It almost is like you go, this is mind, and it's a kind of almost like a or, or uh, you know, some, it's, it's, you can, you know you can relax even more deeply. Mm-hmm. It takes a training to relax, you know, because yes. there's stuff in us that is scared to relax and let go. So we train ourselves to learn to relax into and let go, let the expansion happen. I think that's very difficult for some of us, so it's a training to recognize the signs and explore, <coughs> relaxing, letting go. It's like, you know, out in the big wide ocean, you know, you're scared of the depth somewhat. Can I really just float here? You know, about the sharks, what about the whatever? Can I really just let it float? You know, this kind of, so we train to relax, trust. Yeah. No, it's a, it is a, it's a process. And it's becoming really profound, you know, in terms of what becomes possible. So we know the process is about letting go. 
Certain questions the Buddha said were not to be answered. Oh. Yeah. And or we're on the be, or to be asked differently. Or to be asked differently. And we're kinda of on the edge of a question here that is you you start to know from experience, yeah. So we we can start to feel that something's going on but we can know it, yeah? We're not, we're not the experience, right. or there's something that isn't the experience. We are observers of the experience. Yeah, or, yeah. or intimate with it, but not, you know, I can see the clock, and I'm in, there's relationships there, but it's, it's just this, but, but what you start to see when you start to examine the process of what's here, is that it's actually constantly in flux. But there, there's always a kind of ability to recognise something that is aware of that. Yeah, you know, we were talking last night after the sitting about how do you talk about this and some people refer to it as awareness itself. As what? Awareness itself. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it has qualities of mindfulness. It isn't mindful, but like a, a you know, it's like a Buddha's mind has qualities of compassion. Yeah. It wasn't such a simple question, you see. <laughs> I just, I was wondering what Buddha, I know what I think, but I was wondering what Buddha, what did yeah. he say? What did he say about it? Um, he would say, who is it, is the, is the wrong question. Yeah. Because um, that's just an idea searching for something, who am I? But to move into the experience of being, of knowing, resolves the question itself. Because the direct experience, well, firstly, it has to be known for oneself, but within that experience of, of knowing, there's no location of self or other. You see clearly that self or other are ideas, are designations, belong to a dualistic framework of thinking. And we're just so used and familiar to thinking 
in dualistic ways, earning what's mine and separating from what's others. But these designations fall apart with the, experience, the deep experience of resting into knowing itself at some point. They no longer apply. And that can only be understood through the experience, and that's why it's very difficult to talk about these things conceptually, because we inevitably want to conceive in a dualistic way. It's either mine or yours, it's either this or that. You know, it's one or the other, it's black or white, uh, which works on the conventional level of thinking. But at this level of direct experience, it, it falls apart because thought itself is seen as a, it is a as something that arises and ceases, that has a conventional reality but not an ultimate reality. It's a relative construction, as are our ideas. They work, they, they keep us functioning in a relative conventional world. They have a, a conventional reality. We, you know, we use, we function in a conventional world, but the, the wisdom of the Buddha or of the Arahants are woken up is I know how to relate to these conventions with wisdom without isolating experiences into mine and yours and this and that. They just understand it in terms of conditionality and karma, how cause and effect each arahant in the, in the, in the in the, the day of the Buddha, still had their particular personalities and personality quirks. So that doesn't get destroyed. That's part of the conventional world. They talk differently. They thought differently because of their um, different karmic tendencies. So this is the shape of conditionality. But their wisdom, their experience of knowing their release in Nibbana is beyond designation of conventional reality. So it's understood directly. And this is where the Buddha points to these two levels of reality. There's the unconditioned and the conditioned. And it's in truly understanding these realities where we are freed. Yet we still live in this conventional conditioned world as long as the body survives. That the clear mind knows exactly what that's about and doesn't get caught up in it through delusion anymore, knows it, understands its limitations, not caught by it. And therefore it's talked about as transcending. It's not ignoring or suppressing or obliterating, but it's seen through, seen through. Might have to call it quits for now. If there's anything left um, unanswered, we can have things on a piece of paper and I might be able to pick up them in the flow of tonight. Yeah. And it's tomorrow. <laughs>